I want to preach, uh, if you turn to the book of Luke, the book of Luke chapter 15, verse 11 through 24. Again, the book of Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 24. Man, are you thankful to be in the house of the Lord today? What a great presence of God that we feel in this house. Amen. The word of God says, and he said a certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto him or unto them his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father's house and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me one of thy hired servants. It's interesting we see that in verse 12, the prodigal says, Father, give me. But yet when we get to verse 19, we see a change. We see a sense of maturity because he's gone from Father, give me, to Father, make me. Verse 20 says, and he rose and he came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatty calf and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. Somebody say alive. He was lost and is found. And they begin to be merry. A lot of times when we preach about the prodigal, this is typically where we will transition into our sermon because it serves as a great segue into what we typically preach when we preach on the prodigal son, but there's a second part of this story that I want us to consider. We pick up in verse 25. It says, now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And He said unto him, thy brother has come, and thy father have killed the fatty calf because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came out his father and entreated him. Seems that while the father was only interested in restoration, it appears that the brother is only interested in revenge. That leads us to a very important question that I believe needs to be answered today. The question, however, is not, will the prodigal come home? Because I believe the answer to that question is yes. I believe that the prodigal is coming home. Our prodigals are coming home. But that's not the question that needs to be asked. The question is not, will the prodigal come home? 
the question that we must answer today is what spirit will the prodigal encounter when he gets home? Will the prodigal, will he encounter the spirit of the father that says, we love you, you're welcome here? Or will the prodigal experience the spirit of the brother that says, we don't want nothing to do with you, go back to where you came from? With the help of the Lord, I want to preach on this thought, pagans and pigs. Pagans and pigs. Can we lift up our hands, lift up our voice, and call on the name that is above every name? God, we need you today. God, we need your spirit. We felt your spirit from the moment we walked into the doors. God, we ask you, Lord, that you would move and that you would touch and that you would transform. God, we need your spirit. God, we need a demonstration of your power. We need your spirit in this house. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this house. You are welcome to have your way. God, we need you. God, we worship you. God, we understand that there is none like you, and that is why we worship you, and that is why we praise you. Can you put your hands together and love him? May God bless you. You may be seated. Want to take just a moment and kick the devil right square in the teeth. I want the devil to know that there will be a revival of backsliders coming back to God. Does anybody believe that today? I feel in the spirit that we are getting ready to see what has been prophesied that we are going to see an unprecedented revival of backsliders coming back to the church. And I want to put Satan on notice that the hold that you have on our children and the hold that you have on our families and the hold that you have on our friends is about to come to an end. The chains that have them bound are getting ready to break. The spirit of bitterness that has overtaken them is about to be destroyed. The walls that have enclosed them are about to come down and our loved ones are going to walk out free. And no longer will they look at sin and say, I'm free to live however I want to live, but rather they will walk away from sin and they will declare, He whom the Son has set free is free Indeed, and the devil knows that his time is ticking and those that are trapped are about to be set free thanks to the power and the demonstration of the Holy Ghost and the fire that we sang about earlier. And when it happens, you can rest assured that it's going to be the greatest Holy Ghost party this side of heaven. If you think that you've seen revival, wait until you've seen those who have walked away from truth walk right back into the truth and never fall back in love with the world they escaped from. If you think you've seen revival, wait until you see those who have walked away from truth walk right back into our churches with their hands lifted up and their mouths filled with praise, dedicating their lives back to the Lord. And oh, what a sight it's going to be when those who have spent five years, 10 years, 20 years, 40 years, 50 years without speaking in tongues, they're going to come back into this church and they're going to lift up their voice and they're going to declare great is the Lord and greatly to be praised from the rising of the sun until the going down of the same the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is to be praised and guess what every one of them are going to speak in tongues every one of them are going to be refilled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and they're never going to go back to the world that they came from because the power of the Holy Ghost has transformed them and changed them and made them who God has created them to be 
Now, some of y'all may look at me like I'm crazy, like that won't happen, like it cannot happen. But if you allow me to, let me take a walk down memory lane and let's just see if what I'm saying really sounds all that crazy. Now, I'm sure it sounded crazy when Moses and the children of Israel were able to cross over the Red Sea on dry ground after the water swallowed up Pharaoh and his armies. It didn't take, it didn't take long. It didn't look good for Israel, yet God made a way where there seemed to be no way. Or how about when Joshua marched around Jericho until the walls came crashing down. It may have looked silly. It may have looked foolish, but God made a way and those walls came down. Or how about when the three Hebrew boys, they refused to bow to a false pagan God that had no power and had no authority and they were thrown into the fiery furnace, yet they were not consumed and their clothes were not singed. They didn't even smell of smoke and although three went in Four came out. I've come to tell somebody that God will make a way where there seems to be no way. It's not just something that we read about in the Bible. It's something that we experience every single day. I've come to tell somebody if he did it for Moses, he's still able to do it today. If he did it for Joshua, he's still able to do it today. If he did it for Shadrach, if he did it for Meshach, and he did it for for Abednego. I got good news for you, honey. He's still able to do it today. Will you let God be God? Let him be your God and let your enemies be scattered. Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he is worthy of our praise. David bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to its rightful place. I'd like to tell you that it wasn't just done just to please the Lord. Obviously, that's the big, one of the biggest reasons, but it was also to be a blessing to others. You see, David wanted Israel to know that the presence of God mattered. And it didn't matter what it looked like. And it didn't matter what it felt like. All that mattered was that the Spirit of God is in the house. So we're going to give God great praise. And there was one that did not like it. Michael looked at David and said, you look foolish. Why are you dancing in the streets? Why are you making a fool of yourself? And David basically looked at her and said, honey, let me let you in on a little secret. That's not really a secret if you see my worship and you see my praise. I was a worshiper when you married me and I'll be a worshiper when you buried me. I'm not ashamed to lift up the name that is above every name because if you knew what I had to go through if you knew the pain that I had to suffer I said it before, I'll say it again. You may not understand my praise. You may not understand my worship but if you knew what I had to go through to get my praise on. If you knew what I had had to go through to get to a place where I can lift up the name that is above every name. If you knew what it was like to get back to a place where I could say, here I am to worship you. Here I am to lift up your name. Here I am to give you great praise. Then and only then, you wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter to you about where I've been and what I've done. If you knew what I had to go through to get this praise, you wouldn't question the manner in which I praise him. I praise him because he's been better to me than I could ever be to myself. You may not understand my praise. It may not make sense to you. But if you knew what life was like in the pig pen. You knew what life was like when I was down and when I was depressed. But yet something got a hold of me. And I walked into an apostolic church. And I felt the spirit of the living God moving on the inside of me. And something said, I've got to get back to the Father's house. I've got to get back into the presence of the Lord. Because now I understand that it's only in his presence where we find fullness of joy. If you knew what life was like before Jesus, then and only then would you understand my worship and my praise. I've come to tell somebody I'm not ashamed to get a little crazy 
when it comes to my unsaved family and my friends, unsaved friends. If touching the throne of Jesus means I got to lose my dignity, I'm going to do whatever it is I've got to do. If looking foolish is what I've got to do, then make sure that Jesus hears me, then so be it. I will praise him. I will lift him. I will magnify him no matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like. Yet still, I've got to praise him. Still, I've got to magnify him. Still, I've got to lift him up. Why? Because he's worthy of the praise. And I want my unsafe friends, and I want my unsafe family members, and I want my unsafe co-workers to know that there is a God in Israel who is worthy of the praise. There is a God named Jesus, and he's walking down the aisles of Calvary Apostolic Church, and he's healing, and he's restoring, and he's touching, and he's mending the broken heart. But the question is, is there anybody that's willing to reach out and touch him as he goes by? Can we just take a moment and begin to lift him up? Come on, lift up your voice. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. You didn't know what you stumbled into, but I've come to tell you, the spirit of the Father is in the house today. I've come to tell you that there is nothing too hard for the Lord. Is there anybody that believes that? That there is nothing too hard for the Lord. Clap your hands one more time. Jesus himself said, you go ahead and you destroy this temple. In three days, I'm going to raise it back up again. And I'm going to raise up with all power in my hands. See, he wanted us to know that he was the Almighty. He did that for us. And he did it not for us to keep to ourselves. But yet there is a lost and dying world that needs to know that there is a Savior. That there is a Father who loves them and wants them to come back home. We can't keep this Holy Ghost in fire to ourselves. We must take it out. We must get out and say, we want you to come in. Because in this house. We're going to love you. And in this house, there is a friend whose name is Jesus, who sticks closer than a brother. And this Jesus, he will heal you. He will fill you. He'll turn your frown upside down. He'll do a work that only he can do in your life. I'm thankful that I've been redeemed. I'm thankful that I've been restored. I'm thankful that I've been delivered. And I'm thankful that I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. But can I tell you what God has done for me and what God has done for you, he also wants to do for others. So we can't keep this to ourselves. But we have to go out. We as a people of the name must come against any and every spirit that would try to convince us that our unsaved loved ones are too far gone. We must go to our knees in prayer for every soul that has been held captive by bitterness, lust, deceit, and or betrayal. Because the enemy that has taken them away is the same enemy that still desires to take you and I away. See, this thing ain't over until the rapture comes. That means we still got a work to do. That means you and I, we still have to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. And there is no tactic. There is no limit. There is no boundary to the depths that the devil will go to to prevent any and every soul from making heaven their home. And I believe that it's time for us to stand and say no to the devil. We must let him know that our children belong to God. Our family members, they belong to God. Our friends that we grew up with, 
they belong to God. Our friends that may have walked out on the youth group, they belong to God. Those that used to worship with us, but now they curse us, they belong to God. And as long as Jesus is on the throne, there's still an opportunity to come back home. It's time to come back home and say, God, I'm coming back to the heart of worship where it's all about you. I've made it about me so long. But God, it's all about you. I must decrease so that you can increase. You may be seated. I would submit to you today that we would be foolish to believe that a God that could heal the sick and a God that could raise the dead cannot bring back our backslidden friends and our families. We would be foolish to think that the same Jesus who fed a group of 5,000 with two fish and five loaves cannot bring the backslider back to the altar, can't bring the lost into the church. I've come to tell you that your God, he's greater than your greatest doubt and he's stronger than your greatest weakness and he specializes in taking nothing and making something. That is who he is and that is what he does and I believe and we ought to believe that our God can and our God will. Don't stop praying. Don't stop believing God. Don't stop fasting. Don't stop tarrying. Don't let your faith run dry. But let it be known that your God can and your God will. Some of you know somebody, there's somebody on your mind right now that you've been praying for. You might have invited them to church this morning and they declined the offer. I wonder right now if we would just stand for just a moment. I want us all to stand for just a moment. And I want us to lift our hands. And I want us to pray. You've got somebody that's on your mind. I want you to pray for them right now. And I want you to pray and believe as if they've already come home. As if they've already come to themselves. I want you to begin to pray for them. Call their name out right now. And let's believe that God is going to do a work. Oh God. Lord, I pray for my grandmother. I pray for my sisters, my brother, Lord God. Lord, I pray for Miss Sierra. I pray, God, for Miss Tasha. Lord God, you those, Lord God, that we've witnessed to, God, those that are hurting, God, those that are in turmoil. God, you have the power to bring them back. You have the authority to bring them back. God, we're believing it. We're standing upon your word. I'm believing for Scott and Tisa right now. I'm believing, God, that you're going to bring them home. There is nothing too hard for you. You have all power. You can and you will bring back the brokenhearted. You can and you will bring back those that have walked away and said that they will never return you will you can we trust in your word you gave us a promise and we're going to stand on your word that our families our friends our loved ones our babies they're coming back home does anybody believe that in the house come on lift up praise right now if you believe it Come on, clap your hands if you believe it. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph if you believe that they're coming home. Yes. Hallelujah. Man, you may be seated. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. Hallelujah. Anybody feel what I'm feeling? Come on. The lost were never meant to stay lost. They were meant to be found. And the church is a place where they can come and they can get restored and they can get refilled. The spirit of the brother must be slain so that the spirit of the father can live. So when they walk through these doors, they can say, I'm home. I'm home. And I'm not going back to the world that I came from. Oh, 
I've got friends. I've got family members. I don't see them here, but that's okay. I know without a shadow of a doubt that they're going to come home. You've got friends and family members. I know Corey's not here, but he's coming home. Come on, can anybody believe what this preacher is saying? They're going to come home, and their hands are going to be lifted up, and their mouths are going to be filled with praise, and they're going to stand up and say, like the psalmist said, this is the day that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad. Go ahead, there's another name that's on your mind. Go ahead and call it out. Come on, the spirit of faith is high. You ain't got to wait for my pretty little message. You can go ahead and get what you need right now. Go ahead and pray. Go ahead and believe. If you got to let the tears fall, if you got to let the tongue loose, go ahead and let God arise and let your enemies be scattered. I know that Tamara and Timmy are not here, but they're coming home. I know Samantha's not here, but she's coming home. Is anybody believing in the house? God is going to bring them back. Amen, you may be seated. And the story, the story of the prodigal son is about a son who was granted access to his father's inheritance. And he squandered it with what in a season with what the Bible refers to as riotous living. But see, once the money was gone and once the friends were gone, he was left to live with his bad choices. And now he finds himself working for a pagan swine farmer. See, this is significant because the prodigal was Jewish. And according to Jewish culture, pigs were considered unclean. And yet, it was his job to take care of the pigs. To make matters worse, he's working for that pagan farmer. So here we have the prodigal son. He's working an unclean job for an unclean boss and receiving no pay for his work. Last I checked, all work and no pay is slavery. But yet that's where we find the prodigal son. He's slaving for the pagan. And he's sleeping with the pigs. So not only is he involved in an unclean lifestyle by working in the pig pen and filling his belly with the same garbage that the pigs are eating, but he's given himself to false doctrine because he has embraced paganism. See, you thought he was just hanging around in the pig pen with a bunch of pigs. No, 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 no. He embraced false doctrine. He embraced the pagan lifestyle. And he ate the pig's leftovers. Because the Bible says that he would feign and have filled his belly. If you look up the definition of the word feign, it means to take pleasure in or be willing to under the circumstances, meaning that the prodigal son gladly ate with the pigs, and he was happy to embrace the pagans and the pigs in his world. 
And even though he was paid nothing for his labor, he was happy to live however he wanted. Sounds like the pleasure of sin. While it might be pleasurable for a season, when that season is over, you are left. And the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. And if I was a teenager, which I have not been since 1990, none of your business, I would probably say it like this. When the turn up is over, that's when the struggle gets real. Paul addresses paganism and the spirit behind it in Romans chapter 1 verse 22. Speaking of pagans, this is what he said. He said, professing themselves to be wise, and they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds, and four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanliness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their bodies between themselves. And so while Paul addresses the spirit of the pagans, Leviticus addresses the uncleanliness of the pigs. Leviticus chapter 11, verses 7 and 8. And the swine... Though he divide the hoof and be cloven-footed, yet he cheweth not the cud. He is unclean to you. Of their flesh shall ye not eat, and their carcass shall ye not touch, for they are unclean unto you. See, unlike Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whose life was on the line and said, We will not bow. We will not bow to a false pagan god. Yet we find the prodigal son, his mind is so warped that while the three Hebrew boys refused to bow to a pagan god, the prodigal son willingly bowed to a, a pagan farmer. How warped do you have to be where you won't even bow to a false god, but you will bow to a real farmer? You tell me that he wasn't embracing false doctrine? Yet I can hear the Apostle Paul tell Timothy, Timothy, this is what I need you to do. I need you to preach the word. And I need you to be instant in season and out of season. I need you to reprove. And I need you to rebuke. And I need you to exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time shall come will they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust. After the lust that is in their heart, they will heap unto themselves teachers having itching ears and will be turned into fables. But Paul also said that wherefore we must come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. An article that I read about paganism said this, and I quote, Pagans may be trained in particular traditions. They may follow their own inspiration. Pagans pursue their own vision of the divine as a direct and personal experience. In other words, they walk after the flesh. They do whatever feels good to them. If it feels good, do it. Live it. Experience it. Don't let anybody weigh you down. You do what you want to do. You only live once. But I've come to sound the alarm at CAC today. That is not freedom. That is bondage. We don't walk after our own inspiration. We don't walk after the flesh. We walk after the spirit. My inspiration does not come from the pagans of this world. But my inspiration comes from Jesus Christ. Who is the author and he is the finisher of my faith. 
We have to have the spirit inside of us that says we don't follow our own inspiration. We follow the inspiration of the God of Israel. We call him Jesus. He's the one that can save our soul from sin. We follow this book that tells us how we need to live and the path that we must go. The word tells us that there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. There's a lost and dying world that must know that when they walk into these doors, it doesn't matter what you've done. doesn't matter where you've been. Because there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ. Those that you have been involved in a lot of things. But you have decided, I'm done with all the stuff. And I'm coming to the Father's house. And I'm going to get it right with God. Can I tell you? The church must be a refuge. The church must be a safe place. And we, we who know the truth, we who find our inspiration by the word of God and by the spirit of God, we must allow the spirit of the Father to be inside of us. Because God forbid that the spirit of the brother gets on just one of us. Because, see, the enemy knows. The enemy knows that the prodigals are coming home. But the, but the enemy also knows if he can get your mind twisted and warped, if he can get your mind where you're thinking like the brother and not like the father, they'll walk in, but they're going to walk right back out. Never to come back. That's why the spirit of the Father, they can't be in any one of these chairs. They can't be in any department. They can't be in any area of this church because the spirit of the Father is in this church. But all it takes is one person with the wrong spirit, and they'll walk out, and they'll never come back. God has called us to be a chosen generation. He's called us to be a royal priesthood. He's called us to be a holy nation. And he's called us to be a peculiar people. Why? So we could show forth the praises of him who has brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light. We got a job to do. We got a lost and dying world that they need a savior. There are people that you've come in contact with. You have a testimony. You have a story that you can tell them. And when you tell them your story and you tell them their your testimony, doesn't matter where they've been or what they've done. If you could win them to you, you could win them to Christ. As long as the spirit of the father is in us. Because the spirit of the brother wants to keep you locked down and wants to torment you. But Jesus Christ, he wants to heal you. He wants to fill you. He wants you to have faith that your family members are coming home. He wants you to have faith that he can use you to reach them. Because that's what we've been called to do. We've been called to reach out. This Holy Ghost and fire, it's not just for us, but it's for others. This is what our pastor has been preaching. This is what's been stirring in my soul that I've been preaching all over the state and in other states because I want to be in submission to my pastor's vision. Even if I'm not here, I want you to know, CAC, that the vision of others is what we must be about. And if we become a social club, we're wasting our time. This cannot be us for and no more. God has given our pastor a vision, and it's up to us to get aligned with the vision and watch what God does and watch who God brings in. 
and watch how God touches and watch how God restores. Do you believe that today? Come on, can we stand all over this house? I'm coming to a close. Let's stand and let's lift up our hands right now and let's call on the name. Come on, respond to the Holy Ghost right now. Hallelujah. So now we find the prodigal. And he says to himself one day, you know, I've really made a mess of my life. I've, I had everything. Had everything that I ever could need. Everything that I could ever want. It was available in my father's house. so selfish I said father give me my inheritance I'm out of here I'm going to go out I'm going to go out into the world I'm going to have fun because fun ain't in the house fun is in the world so the prodigal goes and the party, and the friends. He said, you know, I had a good time for a little while. I had friends. I had money. I had prestige. Prestige I couldn't get in the Father's house. I had to leave in order to get out of the bondage. But you know, I've been sitting here for a while. Been working for this pagan farmer and I've been hanging out with these pigs and even for a while that was appealing I gladly I was willing to dine with the swine but you know what something just tells me I don't belong here. I don't belong here. Maybe I should just go back to my father's house. Because even a servant in the father's house is better than being second command with the pagans and the pigs. Yeah. Maybe I am going to go home. I've had enough of this. I'm just going to go home. Yeah. I'm going to tell my father, look, you don't even have to, I don't have to be a son. Just let me be a servant. Let me be a lowly servant in, the, in your house. Because it's better than the pagans and the pigs in my life. So the prodigal gets up. And he makes his trail, his trip, his journey back home. But while he was yet a great way off, there's a father. And the father says, I really wish my son would come home. I haven't seen him in a long time. Is he okay? Is he hurt? Is he even alive? Where's my son? I don't care about where he's been. 
And I don't care about what he's done. I just want my son to come home. must be dreaming. Oh my. That's my son. That's my son. I've got to get to him. And the father runs and he gets to his son. And the Bible says that he falls on his son and he hugs him and he says, son, I don't care about where you've been. And I don't care about what you've done. It doesn't matter. The important thing is, is that you're back home. You're home where you belong. You're asking me to be a servant. But I'm not going to ask you to start being a servant. Because I never stopped asking you to be my son. When the lost and the hurting come into this church, we're not asking them to come home so you can be one of us again. We're asking them to come home because you never stopped being one of us in the first place. So the Spirit of the Father says, My son has come home. Get the robe. Get the ring. Kill the fatty calf. My son, he's alive and he's come home. However, while The father is rejoicing and the son is thankful. There's still an issue with one. The brother finds out from a servant, hey, your brother has come home. Isn't that great? He's back home. So your father, he's killed the fatty calf. You hear the music. We're having a party. Come on, let's go party. And the brother says, a party? Wait a minute. A party? For him? Isn't this the same guy that just walked out? Isn't this the same guy that just cursed our father's good name? Isn't this the guy that just went out and squandered all his money, squandered his inheritance, made a fool of himself, made a fool of our family, made a fool out of me, and I'm supposed to rejoice because he's home? I never got a party. I never squandered my inheritance. I never ruined my father's good name. Where is my ring? Where is my robe? What about me? Brother Poston, I find it to be amazing, yet not coincidental, that the same spirit that the prodigal encountered in the pig pen was the same exact spirit that was on his brother when he came home. The spirit of me. How do I know, Sister Perry, that it was the same spirit? God revealed it to me in prayer this week as I was studying to prepare it. You see, pagans, they don't care about godliness. Pigs don't care about cleanliness. The spirit of the brother doesn't care about forgiveness but the spirit of the father says come let us worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness 
God has called us to be soul winners. We cannot allow the spirit of the brother to run rampant in our homes, in our church, in our lives. The spirit of the brother must be slain. Because the enemy knows he can't stop the backslider from coming back to the church. Nor can he stop the backslider from turning to God once conviction has gripped their hearts. But this enemy has one specific assignment. He wants to use the people of God to keep them from coming home and staying home. Today, I want to open up these altars. Maybe you're here. Maybe you're the prodigal. Maybe you have struggled. Maybe you've squandered your spiritual inheritance. And maybe you're questioning whether or not, maybe you're skeptical about coming home. But the Father says, come home. The Spirit of the Father is in this house. Calvary Apostolic Church, it's a refuge. The Spirit of the Father is alive. If you'll come to these altars, God is going to change your life. But I'm speaking also to those that have been in this thing a long time. But somewhere along the way, you've lost your hope. You've lost your faith that your loved ones are going to come home. And maybe, just maybe, You've allowed the spirit of the brother to get in you to where you don't believe that anybody wants to be saved anymore, that nobody wants this. I'm inviting you to come. Come to the altar because the Father's arms are open wide. And while the pagans are mocking and while the pigs are squealing and while the brother is scoffing, Jesus is calling, oh sinner, come home, come home. You've never stopped being my son, and I've never stopped being your father. Come home, come back where you belong.